You're listening to Zen Sandwich, a podcast that encourages mindfulness, gratitude, and hopefully an occasional laugh. I'm Mark Reed, a former college professor and lawyer. Now I live in the countryside of Japan, make traditional Japanese paper, and try to make myself and the world a little better today than it was yesterday. I'm here twice a week, either with research and observations or talking with inspiring, artistic, and influential people. The idea is to bring some calm and kindness to the world and help you do the same. Hey, here we are. My guest today is in an industry that I have, uh, I've always wanted to interview someone in this, this field, in this area, because I've had aspirations of my own to try it out before, and that is stand-up comedy. Uh, Caroline Exum had the courage I never could muster up and has now done this off and on for two decades, 20, uh, a little more than 20 years. Um, welcome, Caroline. Thank you. Thank you very much. It, uh, <clears throat> it's definitely a labor of love doing comedy. <laughs> it, would, it would have to be. Uh, I, uh, you know, I actually signed up once for a, um, an open mic night. In, in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, oh, I, chick- wow. I, I chickened out. I, I couldn't do it. I, uh, I signed up. I had about five, and, you know, and it's only five minutes, and I had five minutes of uh, material prepped, and then uh, I just didn't, I didn't feel confident enough that and what I had prepared, and so I just I can't. Yeah, so. I started out a funny way into comedy. I. In 1999, I started working at a comedy club, actually in Macon, where I live now. And I had always been, because, you know, in high school, you know, I was into drama. So I've always been into some kind of performing arts and something like that. So I would see these comedians come in this comedy club. And a lot of times I was like, I'm funnier than this guy. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how yeah. is this guy doing this? And, and I'm not. And then this comedian came through that I'm actually still friends with to this day. This uh, brilliant comedian named Joby Sad. He was the first person. And people had told me all the time, you know, oh, you're funny. You should do comedy. You should do something. Um and I was always like, no, no, no. But then here was this guy that I, you know, truly, really respected. And he was a stand-up comic. So he said, I should try it. And I, I was like, yes, okay. And so a lady just, as fate would have it, a lady came into the comedy club, like, the next week after Joby was gone. And she, she was like, do you have an open mic? And I said, no, we didn't have an open mic at that time. She's like, because I really want to hire an amateur comic for a family reunion. And I was like, I'm an amateur comic. I'd never (laughs) performed. I mean, never, nothing. So that was your open mic uh, experience? That was like, that was that was, that was my first time. My first time ever performing comedy was at a Golden Corral in warner robbins georgia yeah i remember just being like wow this is great Mm. um and 
through Joby, actually met a comedian in Atlanta named Jared Harris. And I would go to Atlanta and I had a huge crush on Jared Harris. So that's why I would go to Atlanta all the time. Cause I was just so puppy dog in love with him. And he was a stand up comic. And even he was like, we got to get you back on stage. And I was just like, oh, I don't know if I can. Um, but they told me about a group in Birmingham called Fresh Ground Comics. That was my first time. I just walked in and went to Russell Errett, who started Fresh Ground Comics and, he gave me my first five minutes and, and that was it. You know, it was just, I started performing a lot with them and there are so many stand-up comics in right. the world. So yeah. many people doing comedy, so many people that think they're funny and not all of them are. That's, that actually is the thing, you know, I, um, um, you know, I was uh, class cut up in my class for three years in a row, sophomore, junior, senior, I was voted class cut up. So yeah. I, you know, um, well, I'm, but I'm getting to a point about me not being funny <laughs> because so I, in high school, I, you know, I try to be funny. I enjoy uh, making people laugh. I still do. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've been told before, Oh, you're a funny guy, man. You should do, you should do comedy. You should do stand up. And it was, at that open mic that I mentioned before where I um, where I had to prepare material and I sort of discovered something about myself that I'm a little better at improvisational comedy, you know, just mm -hmm. like coming up off the top of my head and just bantering back and forth with people than I am at sort of preparing out like five, 10 minutes worth of material to uh, yeah. stand up. And, you know, the more and more I studied about it, there are, there are comedians who are, comedic actors but they might not have the skill of improvisational uh or, right and they and they might not be able to be a stand-up and then it goes all the way around there are stand-ups who aren't good at improv or, or maybe they're not a good comedic mm -hmm. actor and my point is like i might have been funny or i might be funny sometimes in a kind of uh impromptu improvisational way but I don't know that I'm actually that funny when it comes to preparing material. So to yeah. your point, so many people think that they're funny or they might hear that they're funny and maybe they are under certain circumstances, but stand-up comedy is a, an art form. And I, I think it's, it's a skill yeah. that some people have and some, and most people don't. Comedy is almost a hundred percent timing. Mm. Yes. A couple of weeks ago, I actually took part in this abstract comedy show that my friend Patrick, um, who Patrick Cunningham, he's a brilliant comic that's helped me out a lot. And he, I kind of perform with him under this umbrella called Clockwork Comedy. And we do a lot of shows around Georgia. And one of the shows he has come up with is a show called Funny How. And you have to perform your set while also performing a task. Like the first comic, Rum Dean, that went up, he had to um, do his set and Patrick like shouted, Different, like, okay, do a British accent, do a German accent, right. do like your Bob's Burgers, you know, just do. And so um, 
And then another girl had to do her set like she was Bob Ross and they had the wig. And <laughs> so she had to do her set differently. Now, when it came to me, I got what I think was the hardest one. And it, it, I was completely blindfolded and I had noise canceling headphones on blasting this weird art metals. So I couldn't see or hear the audience at all. <laughs> and I had to do my set completely blind and mm. could, I mean, and when I took the headset and the blindfold off, like the crowd's reaction was just for like half a beat. They were all literally just like, <laughs> and Patrick was like, oh my God, you crushed it. And nice. everybody was like, you live, you could not hear or see a thing. And I was like, no, I couldn't see or hear anything. But I have, it's almost like a gymnastics routine at this point. Yeah. I know the flips and I know where mm. I've got to hit. I know how to do this. This is ingrained in me to the point where I, I just, I know I'm funny now. Yeah. Uh, well, how would, how would you describe your brand of comedy? I mean, do you, are you a storyteller? Do you tell one, one-liner jokes or, you know, what, what's your style? I'm leaning toward writing more personal stuff about me and about my story. And, <laughs> um, I found that's hard too, because I, you know, when I, uh, like a lot of, uh, funny moments I might have, it's with friends that I know really, really well. And so I'm comfortable with them knowing like kind of raunchy details about my life. And then when I yeah. think, when I think about like, you know, Oh, I need to write that into the podcast material or, you know, I, you know, if I ever did stand up, I should use that. And then I think about actually revealing you know, like inner thoughts, yeah. and, you know, and all that stuff to like the public. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I can do this. There's, a lot of personal family material that I would really love to do, but I'm going to have to wait for some people to die <laughs> yeah. before I really get into that as, as hardcore as I want to. You know, I, I've really, I've kept my cards pretty close to my chest for a very long time with my jokes and because yeah. I'm an overweight person and as hard as I struggle, I'm probably always going to be an overweight person, whether I lose weight or not. Um, and I was always afraid of that and talking about that and whether or not somebody was going to call me fat, like that would scare me to death thinking well, about someone on stage going, you know, Hey, fat ass, get off well, the stage. You're not funny. I do want to ask you about that. I, I, that is in my list of questions. The, probably my number one fear that may have actually, I, I don't, I, it was years ago that I signed up for that open mic, but I, uh, I don't remember if this is what stopped me. Cause I don't think any, I would get a heckler on my first open mic. You never know. But I think yeah. when, I thought, when I thought about stand up comedy, I thought about hecklers 
And even though I, I just said earlier that I'm, you know, pretty quick on my feet, usually um, mm-hmm. the, the thought of being on stage and someone heckling me uh, and dealing with that, having to deal with that. And, you know, you have to win that confrontation. Um, you know, it, it, it did terrify me a little bit. Have you ever had to deal with a heckler? And do you have some ammo ready? Do you have stuff like just in your arsenal ready to go if somebody is talking during your show and won't shut up or they're directly heckling you? I have had some people, you know, be a little too chatty and I'll, I'll kind of, you know, call them out. The audience nine times out of 10 is going to be on your side. So there's really usually nothing to worry about there unless you've just really well, like, there's the there's like the the um, Michael Richards thing where he kind of imploded, you know, when that one guy was either talking too much or or maybe heck, I don't think the guy was even directly heckling him. He may have just been talking too much, and then he just lost it, and he didn't really have. So he, you know, he starts using all these racial slurs and stuff, and he just, you know, he's canceled. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, poor old Kramer. Yeah, it's it's hard to say what exactly I would do. I mean, there's, there's this comedian, I think his name is Steven Hofstetter. Who's I was about just to like, mention him. Yep. He, he posts his, uh, his hecklers all the time. I, he's the king, I think of handling it. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's fantastic. Jim, Jim, um, Je- Jim Jeffries got punched on stage. He was, he had a heckler and he was dealing with him and he made the guy so mad that the guy came up. It's, it's, it's bootleg video, so you can like go on YouTube and I think put in Jim Jeffries stand up punched or something, and it'll come up. Some guy went up and punched him in the face. I mean, well, it doesn't surprise me because, and and I love Jim Jeffries, but I mean, he's he's brutal, <laughs> for sure. very. And I I love dark humor. Mm. I would love to be able to deliver dark yeah that's that's another see that's another place where like i i I hit the brakes when i when i thought about the reality of me doing it i thought about well i wanted to ask you who your influences are and um you know my own are like bill burr or tom segura or uh you know louis ck before he got uh he's not officially canceled he's sort of made a comeback but well he's yeah, I, he's I, canceled. Yeah, pretty much. But <laughs> that I, comeback uh, ain't happening. Yeah, but I, uh, um, you know, I listen to these guys and crack up, and then I really thought about the reality of their material. Like, you know, could I get up on stage and talk about some of the stuff they do? And I thought, well, I don't, you know, I don't it, think I don't know if I could, you know, that because it gets dark. Or, you know, Bill Burr has this bit, and uh, and it's I, to me, it's one of the funniest bits that. A comedian's ever done and when you follow him all the way to the end you sort of realize the point he's making but you know bill burr is someone who likes to start out with a sort of um you know a crazy proclamation you're like what where is he going with this and then of course it makes a turn right so he's got this bit about and that he calls it a bit like gold digging whores and he's talking about uh arnold schwarzenegger you know, and then everybody was criticizing Arnold Schwarzenegger. And of course, what Arnold Schwarzenegger did was a bad thing. But then he turns the bit into, you know, like how many lifetimes would it take for, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger grew up in Austria, not speaking English. And, you know, how many lifetimes would it you take? He said, the guy is, uh, he's a 
rock star. He's a hero, you know, that like banging his maid. That's like a, that's like a layup in a basketball game. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, he, he makes it funny and obviously he's not condoning, you know, what Schwarzenegger did, but I just think about the, you know, uh, the subject matter and I just think, I don't know, It'd be, you know, so going back to dark humor, I love dark humor too. Um, I don't know if I got the guts to get up on stage and do it though. The it's admirable the the level of just laissez-faire that you have to be about people and their feelings. I mean, I, I get it to a point because, like, with the with someone, if someone were to call me fat now at this stage of my life. I would just be like, well, you know, you're out of the zeitgeist because we love fat now. Right. We got Lizzo, we got, you know, Addie Bryant, you know, you, you can't make fun of fat people now. We we're taking over. We are gigantic <laughs> and we're going to sit on all of you. Like, who are some of your inspirations? I mean, who have you, do you model your comedy off of anyone? Um, I think if there is, a linear line that you can draw from someone to me, it would be Paula Poundstone. Oh, nice. Yeah. She's probably my biggest influence. Um, she's brilliant too. And very quick. She, she is a, she, you know, cause she'll sometimes host on a, not host, but she's one of the panelists on an NPR show that I like. Like, uh, uh, yeah, wait, wait, don't tell me. Yeah. And she's very quick with it. I mean, I've seen her in person before and just, right. I mean, she'll just talk to somebody in the audience and just be like, bam, bam, bam. And I would just be like, Oh my God. It, <laughs> it just would blow me away. Yeah. Have you ever watched a bunch of uh, Jimmy Carr speaking of British? Yeah. Yeah. Whew, man, that um, guy I is like, quick. And I mean, he'll, he literally can do half his act just taking you know cues from the audience just saying something yeah yeah he's one of my favorites eddie azard is another one of my favorite comics um i don't know if i'm allowed to say this now but i can't escape the truth of the fact that bill cosby was one of my it's so funny. I was going to ask you later, what's the, what's the biggest name you've seen in person? And for me, it's Bill Cosby. I, I did see Bill Cosby live. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Before he got permanently canceled. And jailed. Locked, and locked up, right? <laughs> yep. I saw him down a floor. my little childhood mind. I mean, I would walk around quoting Bill Cosby himself. That was a great is, special. That was a terrific special. Is, it is. I mean, it, it's still funny. I cannot, I know that the guy did heinous, horrible things, and I, I, I certainly condemn him for that. But. It doesn't make the comedy less funny. I, and I, I, I'm all for, you know, I understand condemning the actions, of course, of course. But, uh, you know, it's like, you know, do I not listen to a Michael Jackson song anymore because of his alleged actions or whatever? Right. And, right. you know, I, I, 
there's so many topics we could talk about. Another one I had was cancel culture. What you think about it? Chris Rock recently spoke out about it too. About that, you know. I mean, it's just going to kill comedy. I mean, half of comedy is, is pushing the envelope. It's kind of taking a risk. I I feel like it's up to people to make their own distinctions what they're going to cancel personally for themselves i don't think i i think this this whole villagers with torches thing it is getting out of hand and but it's yeah but but it's not a right or a left thing i feel like you know lenny bruce did not go to jail so many times just for us to be a bunch of crybabies. You know, I have a joke about um, wanting to be an orphan when I was a kid. And I, I did really want to be an orphan because I was obsessed with the musical Annie. Um, (laughs) And so that's such a, that's such a realistic portrayal. Well, I know. And that's, that's why, you know, that's part of my joke because I'm like, you know, they're running around singing, it's the hard knock life. And I'm like, I don't really think it is. I think you're, you know, running around singing and hanging out with Carol Burnett drunk, you know, I'm like, this is a good time. So, you know, I, but then I have this joke that the whole joke goes into Um, because a friend wanted me to go to a pet adoption with her and you know how they do the Petco pet adoptions and they're all pets out there that are like, adopt me, help me. And she, she, I was like, well, are you going to adopt a pet? She's like, no. And I was like, no, I'm not going to go there. And I'm also not going to go to an orphanage later. Um, (laughs) and you know, but then I'm like, what if you could do that? What if you could go and you could rent a child for just a few hours? And I've, I've only had one person come up to me after a show and have a problem with a joke. And it was that one. Wow. That's, I mean, that, that's crazy to have a problem with, I mean, obviously you're not advocating renting children or whatever, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's Um, a joke. Comedy is tragedy right comedy is often uh, yes and it it is a defense mechanism well let me uh let me touch let me hit one last thing before we go because uh and you you basically segue to it perfectly before when you're talking about dark humor and i know i already know the answer to the first question does comedy comedy help you deal with life but uh why how how does comedy help you deal with the realities and the absurdities and the uh, depressing parts of life. Comedy has saved me in a lot of ways. Jokes are, jokes are the glue that keeps this world together. (laughs) Yeah. For me too. Yes. It's if, if you took humor out of the world, no one would be able to ever function with anything. Mm. So you know, if, if I can turn what happened to me, whether it's a tragedy or, or just something stupid that happened to me at the grocery store or just like whatever, if, if I can turn it into something that gives somebody else a laugh and gives them a moment where they're able 
to release themselves because laughter is such a beautiful release of emotion. Right. Then it just, it all comes back. I think mm. in this swirl of negativity and positivity that you can put out in the world. Um, you know, that's my way of, of just kind of pulling us all through it. And, you know, that feeling of, of, of just getting laughs and connecting. I mean, there's literally, there's nothing. Yeah. There, yeah. there's nothing like it. I it's agree. the most terrifying and rewarding thing <laughs> in the world. <laughs> I agree. Well, there you go, folks. That's your five minutes in. Find the humor in tragedy. Um, seriously. And um, I know I have many times in my life. That's it. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, um, please hit subscribe. Another way to help the show, buy us a beer. I, I've been asking to buy, buy us a coffee, but uh, I'm going to see what buying us a beer gets us. Um, uh, I hope to be listener supported and, uh, you know, no ads ever, hopefully. Um, so go to patreon.com slash Zen Sandwich. And for as little as $3, you can help with that. If you do, I will send you a handmade personalized postcard from Japan to you, wherever you are in the world. Thanks again, Caroline. It's been a blast. I could talk about comedy. I could talk about comedy all day. It is like, we'll do a part two sometime. <laughs> sounds good. I mean, I, yeah, we obviously have listened to a lot of the same people. So, um, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks a bunch. And, uh, yeah. We'll do a part two all right. We'll talk to you soon. Okay.